You're listening to episode 15 of the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy Hostler, and I have an exciting guest for you today. Now, the, the guest I have today has a service-based business, and so it's very interesting and very different from some of the other businesses that we've talked to on the podcast. Today, I have with us Mr. Alan Snyder. Now, he has a business called We Chunk Junk. It's a local junk removal service in Huntsville, Alabama, serving um, several areas in North Alabama. Now, Alan started out his business career a little further south in Birmingham and started out as a contractor and eventually found his way to North Alabama and just about three years ago started this local junk removal business, We Chunk Junk. It's one that really tries to be environmentally friendly and be conscious of recycling as well as providing a great service for people in the North Alabama area that need removal of any kind of debris, junk, uh, you know, abandoned houses that have a lot of stuff left in them. He does it all, and so we're very excited to talk to him today about his service-based business. So welcome, Alan. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Well, I've given a little bit of information about you, and um, why don't you give us a little more about your history as far as what you've done for uh, you know, your businesses and uh, anything personally and professionally that you think would help us get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Well, started a long time ago when my dad had four boys, and I'm the youngest of four sons, and my dad taught us early how to work, and that uh-huh. type of work for him was building houses. Okay. So any spare time I had, I was building houses with my dad. I had a uh, tool belt on my hip when I was 12 or 13, framing houses. Wow. And then, and then I thought, well, I'm going to go to college and get a education and get out of this. So I did that only a few years later to go back and say, now I want to go back to what my dad taught me to do. So I went into <laughs> remodeling and uh, and uh, had a very successful career doing that. My dad, of course, was extremely instrumental in us um, being able to open up some businesses. And uh, then, of course, three years ago, we opened up We Jump Jump. Where'd you get the idea for We Chunk Junk? Well, that's a good question. Uh, back in 2008, uh, again, we were doing remodeling and very successful, uh, especially in the Birmingham area, doing uh, basement room enclosures. We were the only ones doing just that, where we go in and finish out basements and make them into living areas. But mm-hmm. in 2008, when the economy crashed, obviously, um, our business, it was like somebody just put the brakes on it. It just stopped. We lost jobs earlier that year. And uh, so anyway, make a long story short, we began to just struggle like everybody else did for mm-hmm. the next three years and um, all the way to uh, 2011. And then uh, in 2011, I just woke up one day to my wife and said, hey, we're about to shift gears. I don't know what it is, but I'm tired of this roller coaster ride in Vermont. Uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, as as you go into business, you want to be successful. I mean, that's the name of the game. Right. 
Absolutely. I just felt like I just could not uh, come up with any kind of niche or anything that was really, uh, you know, being successful. So, anyway, uh, to answer your question about which account, we just started doing some research and quickly came across the industry of junk removal. Mm-hmm. And junk removal is a huge industry. If you ever look it up, you can uh, do some history on it. Uh, but it's been the last 20 years it's, that it's become an industry within itself. Mm-hmm. And um, and then as I began to research that it is a big industry, then I realized that North Alabama didn't have anybody do anything in, in that line uh-huh. of work. Gotcha. So as we started uh, researching it, I just thought, you know, we're going to, we're just if we're going to do this, we're going to uh, come up with a cool looking logo. We're going to have great <laughs> colors. We're going to look sharp. We're going to wear the t-shirts. We're going to have a cool name and all that. And that's what we did. We just uh, went to lunch with a friend of mine, and it just dawned on me: Hey, we chunk junk. It's all in the name. There you so, go. Absolutely, it's so got a great how, ring to it. <laughs> yeah, it does. And we uh, that's how it was birthed. I call it my recession birthed business. There but you go. now we're, you know, finding great success in this, and, uh, and we hope to uh, have a lot more in the years to come. We're really meeting a need in what we're doing here. That's great. I love to love to hear the stories about how you kind of have to retool your business once the recession hits. A lot of people have had to do that, not even just people that were in business for themselves, but people that lost jobs, you know, from corporate, you know, that sort of thing. And so I think we'll see more of that in the next probably 10 years or so as people. I think so. um, I think so. I mean, my dad taught us, again, taught us, hey, somebody pushes you down, you get back up and and, and keep keep fighting at it. And that's that's what this business is for me. It's my get up and – get back after it uh business and uh and now I just man I fall in love with it. It's it's uh, it's my little baby that we're nursing to hopefully to become a big business one day right here in North Alabama. I hope so. I hope to be able to do follow ups on the whenever it gets a little bit bigger too. Well, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> now Alan, tell us, you know, you mentioned that you went to college to you grew up working in your dad's business and mm-hmm. I, I you know, it's it seems like that is a theme with so many of the entrepreneurs that I talk to is that they grew up in a family where the family owned a business and they're exposed Mm -hmm. to that early on and they kind of get that work ethic and that sense of camaraderie and contribution that people that parents work in corporate or government jobs don't really have. But you left, went to college, tried to get away from it. At what point did you say, you know what, I want to go back and be an entrepreneur? What made you do that? Well, uh, when I got out of college, I worked I've got a degree in journalism. I did that for a little bit. And then I actually went to work for a um, uh, a millionaire. He, he was just a um, self-made millionaire in equipment. He sold equipment or like industrial type equipment. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would go into these industries and, and service their fire extinguishers and Anyway, I did that for six years, and I had a college degree, but I, I was just a uh, a gopher, if you will, just kind of low on the totem pole, but I loved that job. And huh. I got my hands dirty, I got my face dirty, I just worked hard <laughs> doing that. I did that for six years. It actually was the first job I had, first six years of marriage. But anyway, just got to see not only my dad and the years I was with him, but, but this man's name. 
was Griff Langston and just saw him work and operate his business. And it just, I just, I was at this point, uh, I think 32, 33, somewhere in there. And, uh, just thought, you know, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I want to get out from under somebody. And here, mm-hmm. here's what I've learned. Uh, this is very key to anybody that would be listening. So many people want to go out and be a leader without being a follower. Mm. And and everything that Griff Langston and my dad asked me to do, I did it, and I try to do it to you know I try to do it to perfection. And that's the key. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to get out on your own on your own and you can't submit to somebody's rule, then you're going to fail. Uh, so anyway, I say all that to say this, I had, I, to my estimation, I have finished my term at industrial fire equipment company. It's just time. It's just time for me to get out on. And I've mm-hmm. learned a lot from this man. He, he just had a very successful business and, um, and we just decided to go into remodeling and, and like I said, for the next, uh, 10 or more years, just more than that, uh, had Great, great success. Did you have any fears when you first started your business? When you kind of, you know, when you leave a a job with a regular paycheck and branch out into something where there is no paycheck unless you go out and get the business, did you have any fears about that? Absolutely. I have one big fear, and it's probably the fear of many uh, people that go out on their own, and that's making money or not making money. Right. You've got to make money. There's no... uh, uh, time card that you swipe anymore. I mean, there's nothing, mm-hmm. none of that. You know, you're not punching the clock. You have got to make it. And, uh, yeah, that was a big fear of mine. Uh, in fact, there was, there was one time I thought I was going to have to go get a job at, you know, either Walmart, Home Depot, or whatever. But there was a mm-hmm. stretch of six weeks that I went with no work. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was tough. So there, it's not mm-hmm. always been easy. Um, and that was probably, now this was early on. This is um, probably the first or second year of me going out. But, man, I tell you, I was really doubting myself, doubting if I made the right decision. And and, um, and I will say this, doing what I did then is not meant for everybody. I used to, I used to think that anybody could quit their full-time job and go work for themselves. But I... Uh, we can't that a hundred times because I've tried it with one guy and it didn't work. He was miserable. And I think it goes back to what I was taught as a kid. My dad always, ever since I knew him, uh, he was always self-employed. And there's a lot of training in that, whether I knew it or not. Yeah. And it yeah. just prepared me because I saw my dad go through some hard, hard times, especially mm-hmm. during the early 80s when the big recession hit. In, yeah. Um, you know, I think 1978 to 1980, early 80s. But nonetheless, uh, saw my dad go through that. I was 14 years old. And uh, anyway, just, just seeing and being around that helped prepare me for what I do uh, today. Yeah, those lessons come in kind of in the the being around and being exposed to those kind of businesses, not necessarily because somebody, you know, your dad set out to teach you certain things, you know. No, he didn't, he didn't set out and say, hey, we're going to learn this today. None of that. You just learn it by it just being a part of your life. And and um, my dad passed away last June, and just I realized ever more so now how much he taught me to be prepared 
or taught me how to be prepared for what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, would uh, you say is your was your dad kind of your biggest business coach or mentor as you set out on your own? Well, the two guys I've mentioned thus far is my dad and Griff Langston, and those are by far the two that I would uh, definitely hang my hat on as far as being the two biggest mentors. And uh, certainly in different ways. In fact, my mm-hmm. dad had a lot of respect for Griff Langston. He was uh, proud of me being able to work for somebody like him. Mm-hmm. And um, so, um, but certainly uh, both of those men were my mentors. It just, you know, Griff taught me um, just always not be, not get so ahead of yourself or not get so big where you can't, keep your finger on what you're doing uh, and uh, in fact he told me that just uh less than a year ago on the phone because he, uh, he knew about my new business uh-huh. and then, my, then my dad as far as uh, him mentoring me he just told me about honesty and integrity and doing things right uh-huh. so very very important you know it seems like whenever i'm talking to so many local business owners it's you know it's that integrity and that pride in what you do that most mm-hmm. of the time is the driving factor. It doesn't even really matter what industry it is or what specific thing. It's just there's something about the integrity and the pride that you have when your name is attached to whatever that brand is of doing a good job and providing a value. And then once you provide the value, the money eventually comes. You I know, tell people that all the time. Don't worry about the money. You go out there and try to do something that you can enjoy, number one. And number yeah. two, try to meet somebody's need or try to, you know, give, some, give something to the people that they need or want or, or whatever. And uh, um, But if you go out and, man, I'm going to do this this year as far as money goes, you just, I think you're going to fall flat on your face. You cannot worry I- about the money. I think so too, and I think you're right when you talk about the, uh, you know, the the local small business is not for the faint of heart because there are going to be some tough times. It's not a get rich quick. It's not an easy nope. road to easy money. But you know, if you want to put your head down at night, knowing you worked hard and you provided a great service, and you're bringing value to people's lives, and they're in turn paying for that value and bringing value to your life, then it's a great thing to look at. So yeah, I completely I love, I love agree. It. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this. When you got started with your business, it's, um, mm-hmm. being a service-based business, I know you didn't have a physical product or anything like that, but right. what resources or what what did you do to kind of get your name out in the community? I'll tell you exactly what I did, and it's very, very important. I went out and made key connections uh, to people that would do something similar to what I do, but not what I do. So in other words, for instance, okay. for instance, if somebody is looking for a junk removal, who would they call first? Well, if if you think about it, and as I did and started doing some research, I'm thinking ah, they'd probably call the city dump first. Mm-hmm. So so one of my first resources was to go to the Huntsville Solid Waste Authority, introduce themselves to me because basically all they are is a uh, disposal location. They do mm-hmm. not physically physically come out and get it. And that's what people do. They call them and say, hey, do y'all come out and physically remove our stuff? And they say, no, absolutely not. But but now, they're able to recommend We Chung Chung. They do it all the time. Ah, so, okay. Yeah. So, that was so you looked things. for... 
those complementary type handoff type referrals? Yeah, absolutely. Well, for instance, uh, again, getting close in the neighborhood, but not in the same neighborhood. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't go to another competitor that does exactly what I do. So you got to right. get real close in the neighborhood. So the solid waste authority was one. And then also these, um, there's a, another company that actually was several here that do the, are you familiar with the uh, roll off dumpsters or are you familiar? Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. Well, they drop it and leave it yeah. and come back and pick so, it so up. We, yeah. So we do something totally different. So in other words, people will call roll off companies that, they need people to actually come in and physically remove stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, without with with me knowing that they make phone calls to these companies, you know, I just try to uh, make friendships with a lot of roll-off companies here in town. I've done that. And sure enough, I, I had an incident where I met some guys that own a um, great roll-off company here in town, and they send me a lot of work, and I hadn't heard from them in a while. So what I do is I go and refresh their memory of Wee Chunk Chunk and go drop them uh, a couple boxes of hot donuts. Yeah. And that day, that day, my phone started ringing off the hook from that particular uh, roller's company. <laughs> Funny how that works. The day yeah. you got donuts is the day they had a bunch of junk people calling, well, right? <laughs> well, they're not always thinking about you. So you have that's to go true. remind people. You have to go remind people. So that's what I do. I make good connections. The people that do very similar to what I do, mm-hmm. and uh, and then you go and feed them donuts. <laughs> Keep in mind, yeah. Well, that's that's true. The keeping it fresh in their mind and being yeah. the one that you know leaves them a positive experience. Yeah, you're going to be first on their mind whenever you've just fed them some donuts. So that's a you're right. That's probably <laughs> the best investment of you know 15 bucks you could make. So. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I do it all the time, and donuts seem to really get the mind thinking very, very well. <laughs> Universal happy pills, for sure, definitely. Yeah. Now, tell us, take as we go up to present time with um, your business, We Chunk Junk, and, you know, this being a service model, and I think so many people um, get started sometimes doing a service model because they feel like it's, you know, trading time for money is, mm-hmm. is a very natural part of the way to get into business. But I think sometimes um, we don't fully understand how the business models need to be set up with a service-based company. So could you mm-hmm. kind of give us a little bit of overview about how you set up your business model and your specifically like your pricing structure for the We Chunk Junk so that you actually know that you're not really going to have a lot of jobs where you're completely losing your shirt on them? Yeah, Does that make sense? I, I, we have, it happens a lot, I think. So Yeah, no, I can tell you exactly. Well, first of all, before I opened the doors to Wee Chung Junk, I spent six weeks studying everything I could find on the internet about junk removal. So wow. I didn't go I didn't go into it blinded. I mean I every mm-hmm. time I got home from work I would sit on my computer after I got the kids to bed and have my wife all and all that. I would sit yeah. on the computer for two or three hours every single night. Study, 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 because I knew this is where my heart was going. Mm-hmm. So with that, when I opened the doors, I was very, very prepared as to what I did. So as far as my model, basically what we do is I'm not in the junk business as much as I'm in the removal business. If you mm-hmm. have something that needs to be removed, whether it's junk or has value, mm-hmm. that's what we do. So I don't change my pricing in any way to accommodate if I'm removing 
you know, whatever. A mm-hmm. nice sofa compared to a uh, trashed out sofa. So it doesn't matter. Okay. So my price structure basically is as follows. It's very easy. Uh, we price by volume. So if I'm going to clean out a garage, I've got a 15 cubic yard trailer. It's a very okay. large trailer. It's very similar to a roll-off dumpster, but this one's mm-hmm. on wheels and we don't leave it. So mm-hmm. basically what we do is we charge by volume where it's a quarter of a load a half a load, three-quarter, or a full load. And when I get to the job and meet with a customer, we look at it and we price it based on that volume. Okay. And so there's no way. The way I've got my prices in place, I don't change them. They've been the same for three years. I haven't messed around with them. Because, Mm -hmm. like I say, when I opened doors, I was confident that I had the right prices. Mm -hmm. And I know I do because... you know, I obviously use other companies to to uh, get some examples on how to price and mm-hmm. uh, and basically find out what the uh, biggest company in the world found out their prices and just kind of structure mine a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I don't have overhead, they do, and that's okay. that's what we do. So you essentially. Um, you try to do things like like uh, making efficiency as as far as getting your your truckloads to the the disposal sites and stuff like that. So you would you would not go in there with like a quarter load of truck just to dump something, right? I mean, is that kind of right. what you? Well, as far as being efficient, here's the way I've got it structured as well. I try to convince all my customers, hey, we we come look at, it, and ninety nine percent of our customers love this part. We go look at it, price it, and we do it then and there. I don't go price it and then come back to three days later and do it. If okay. Customer, yeah, so if the customer's ready, so in other words, if I get a call today, I'll set up the appointment tomorrow, say at 830. Our first job will be somewhere in Huntsville at 830. We go look at it, price it, and, if and I make it very, very clear that that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tell them they're under no obligation, but if you're ready, we are too to get it out of your life and uh, so we go look at it price it and then hopefully do it and say if it's a quarter of a load then I keep that on my truck I've got three quarter of a load left so I can go and keep doing jobs until I have a full trailer and then that's when we go and dispose everything I see. Now, what what you just talked about, I think, as a consumer is so critical whenever you say, I'll go out and give the quote. Essentially, it's a quote on how much the work is going to cost. That's correct. And at the same time, your truck is there, your guys are there. So you mm-hmm. say, you know, it's going to be $150 or whatever the price is going right. to be. I don't, I don't even know. I'm just, I don't know that that's, yeah. the price is no, probably that, not even are, anywhere in the range, but you yeah, would say it's going to be numbers. this much. And they would, and if you're ready to do it, we'll go ahead and get it out of here. Yeah. And it's going to be really hard for somebody to send you packing, knowing like, that you have walked away from their junk I've that they want to get rid of. That's right. I've been in this for three years, and I can count probably on one hand of people that sent me away. It wow. is a selling point in itself. The fact, hey, you, you mean you can get it out of here today? Yes, ma'am. We can get it out of here. That's our selling point. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I, whenever I was, you know, reading about kind of how you on your website, how you set it up, and you're like, we can give you a quote and stuff like that. I thought, man, there must be a lot of pressure on the guy that goes out and gives the quotes to try to close the business, you know, in order to make sure you're not just spinning your wheels with the guy out giving quotes. But that that's genius, if you ask me. Right well, there, having right now, of course, we're still small, so it's just me and a couple of guys. So I'm doing all the quoting. It's very easily, it's very easy to quote. I mean, we look mm-hmm. at it, we say it's a quarter of a load, half, three quarter, or somewhere in between, and it's just we've done it for so long, we can look at it. In fact, as I'm training my guys, I always get them to tell me, hey, what are you thinking on this? What does it look like ah, for you? Yeah, so I'm training. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, one of the guys is my son. So I'm training him. I'm always asking them, what do you think? What do you think? What 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 kind of price would you come up with? And um, so as we're giving prices, I'm also training in the background, too, because the customer doesn't hear all this. I, I do this mm-hmm. more privately because I don't want a bunch of numbers. I don't want the customer to think that we don't know what we're doing right, as far as that's right, concerned. Right. But, but there is training going on behind the scenes as well <laughs> yeah really on the job training and behind mm-hmm. the scenes as well mm-hmm. no that's that's really important though and i think that's a great you know that is a great selling tool when you have the ability to go ahead and take care of it one shot customer doesn't have to keep come, coming back they don't have to schedule another appointment or time off work to meet you there at the same time their junk is gone you're happy they're happy and, uh, you know, you, you walk away with the job done and the money well, in your hands. So. Well, there will be some, there have been and will continue to be big jobs. And I, I know that they're big just by virtue of what they tell me on the phone. So if, say, for instance, there's a job that I went just to go look at and flies because it was a uh, burned down building. And I knew, oh, okay. I knew we couldn't do that right on the spot. So uh-huh. uh, and we do a lot of that type of stuff. We do a lot of demo okay. type work. So those are jobs that I would, in fact, go. You're looking, you know, those could be several thousand dollars worth of, uh, you know, services. Because mm-hmm. so we, we have to rent a bobcat and all that. So so that I is see. a so a little more some jobs that would go. A little more logistically price. involved. Right, right. But I 90% think. of what we do. If it's just like a you know a few things somebody's cleaning out of the garage or whatever, mm-hmm. we go look at price it and do it. So we do that all day long. Now let me ask you this: Is there mm-hmm. any revenue at all in the junk as far as with your business model? There can be. Uh, there will be a, a select few items that I'll pull out and maybe put a price tag on. But mainly, what I try to do. As far as uh, selling what we do is primarily we, we pick it up. And here's here's another key as to what we do. We donate when we can, mm-hmm. and then we recycle when we can. But, yeah, okay. I don't really I don't really push. Well, let me say it this way. Uh, I think this is the best way to say it in what I do. I don't make my money off selling anything. I have, okay. to, set up, I have to set up my business. That if I'm not doing the service, then I'm not making money. So that's how gotcha. I make my money. Yeah, I make my Anything money else pro- is incidental. That's correct. That's the best way okay. to say it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess, too, you know, you don't really want to wrap up a whole lot of resources in the handling of the the whatever the junk is, you know, to to process it or sort it or, you yeah, know, I you, you don't do really th- want to. Yeah, I can't do a thrift store. Uh, mm-hmm. In other words, I'm opening up just to 
do the junk removal. And really, I try to indicate to the customers that we have, look, we want the service. We don't want the junk. Right. Because they, they go through a list. Well, this is good. and This runs. Yeah. You know, and I want to tell them very, very nicely, look, we, if you need it removed, that's what we do. That's, that's right. all I'm worried about is getting your We're not trying to. Right, yeah. not trying to repurpose it or no. do anything else with well, it at we, that point. It's about the service. Yeah, we do, but the motivation for me coming to get it is to help you clean it out, not to get it and then try to make money off of it. And that's what right. a lot of people think we do if we don't. Yeah, yeah. So, or if they think it might, they might get a better, probably yeah, a better, better rate deal. on something mm-hmm. if they can give you something of value to take off with you. So I'll just tell you this. Uh, I picked up a piano today. We pick up a lot of pianos. Oh, and we are <laughs> we are the last resort when people call us. This guy uh-huh. spent six months on Craigslist trying to sell this piano, oh, wow. and uh, so so I've got a fee for picking up pianos. It doesn't matter if they work or they're good in condition or not. If you want it removed, this is the price. <laughs> wow, we pick up a lot of pianos. I can imagine. They're just, the markets change so much. They're just yeah. kind of dinosaurs at this point. So yeah. I understand that. Now, tell me a little bit about what your current marketing strategies are um, that you're using for We Chunk Junk. Is it, um, what are, what's really working for you right now? Okay, I'll tell you exactly. And, and again, we've used several resources, but right now, currently, for what I do, uh, local network. TV is the uh, greatest thing. I mean, it, it has made my company. It, it really? Me... Talk a little bit about that. Tell me what okay. you do. Well, let, let me go back a little bit. When I first started, I used local radio station here in the Huntsville, Alabama area. And it was uh, basically conservative talk radio mm-hmm. with the radio show. So, so I knew then I was going to just target a select audience. And the mm-hmm. audience was good. It, it was the first year I used radio for the first whole year that I started my business. And the calls were coming in. It was building my business. So then I decided to go a little bit bigger than that. I went to cable TV. Mm-hmm. And then a step above that was the local uh, network TV. And local mm-hmm. network TV, for instance, see cable, again, is a selected uh, group. I mean, right. you're hit and missing in, in all these different markets. But local mm-hmm. network TV, everybody's got access to that. And uh, ah. that, by far, has uh, has just, you know, upped the ante, if you will, because uh, it has mm-hmm. really got my name out. People see my ads. It's just 15-second ads, and I've got a budget that I uh, uh, spend. It's not cheap, mm-hmm. but, but Right. You know, for me, I'm I'm on the low totem pole of what I'm sure other uh, customers spend with them. But um, but again, I told them I said, look, if I'm not making it, I can't do it. But right. after the first or second month, I knew now nah, this is the right decision for me. But it's, it's so worked. really. So really, would you say that at this point, that's your, I mean, all of your advertising dollars are going into that local network TV yeah, advertising every, rather every than print ads or any no. other type of marketing? No, wow. I hate to say it, but print is not the way, uh, <laughs> anytime I go into print, it's just a, it's a uh, failure. 
every time. So you've tried you've tried several different things in your return yeah, on your Brent, investment. Yeah, Brent used to work well for me when I first started out in the remodeling. But Brent, mm-hmm. but you're talking 15 years ago and 10 right. years ago, and everything's changed. It sure and, has. And uh, the other way we market, obviously, is having uh, internet access, I mean, Facebook, Angel's mm-hmm. List, all those things have have compiled to help me build my business. But number one, where I put my money is in local TV advertising. Interesting. I'm yeah. glad. I mean, I'm glad that that that's working well because there's there's other people out there that might be, you know, it, it's a hard thing to sometimes let go of a larger budget for that kind of a thing. But in your your type of business, you know, you need that name recognition so that whenever people think I need to get rid of, oh yeah, I know who I need to call, you know, and your well, name is right there. Well, and here's here's another thing too. You got you got to start small. So I started with a relatively small budget, but it is a lot of money each month. So what we're mm-hmm. doing is we're letting the business grow up to that. And mm-hmm. once we get to where we feel like we can do it again, we're probably going to go on with another network. I'm gonna, my goal is to get on three networks, uh, you know, each month. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and that's really what I want to do is just permeate this area as much as right. I can. And I believe the best way I can do that is through local TV. Well, that's fantastic. And when you see the return on your investment, it I know it that solidifies that as far as the best marketing oh, channel for you. Absolutely. So. And I've been with them uh, since last April. So. Oh, guys, you're coming up on a year. Yes, yeah, the person, yeah, you know, person putting, yep. I guess. So. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. And a lot of people, yeah, need to need to probably do some testing and and start out small and do some do some other things. But definitely good to hear that that's something that's working for you. Now. As you've owned your uh, business for, for several years now, and even before that mm-hmm. in the remodeling business, can you tell us um, about a failure or something that might not have gone exactly the way you wanted it to, where you kind of had to uh, have a learning experience through that that maybe someone else could benefit from hearing? Well, I haven't had any huge failures, and I believe, mm-hmm. and I, I don't mean this to sound funny at all, but I, mm-hmm. I saw my dad go through some failures. Mm-hmm. And I think seeing him uh, do that, I'll just tell you what he used to do. He used to really uh, feel sorry for a lot of contractors and hire them. And they were just um, not very professional. Right. He would always he would always get burned as a result of that. So mm-hmm. one thing I learned from his mistakes was if you hire somebody, they better be top notch and and do ah. exactly. Uh, and, and that's where I see so many people fail in businesses like mine or modeling businesses or whatever. It's the mm-hmm. people that you hire because, yeah. because when I send somebody out on a job, they represent me and my Absolutely. company name. And, mm-hmm. uh, and like I say, I haven't had failure in that because I learned from my dad in a very negative way, uh, he, and his heart was right about it. He just trying mm-hmm. to help so many people. Right, it's hard, yeah. It's hard to make that decision, but you got to separate your emotions sometimes from you know where your heart is in business. It's all business mm-hmm. when you get out there. But the one other thing that I'll mention as far as failures, I see so many people do this. I've not done it personally, but so many people want to go out and spend more money than what they've got coming in. And that can be a uh, huge failure uh, for so many businesses. And I'm sure you've seen it. We've all seen mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. 
and again, I, my dad taught me better than that. <laughs> well, you know that that is a very old school, um, sort of an old school concept it's of simple. keeping. Yeah, it is. But you know, you get so to the point now where oh, debt. You have to have a certain amount of debt, and debt is good. And no. you know, so you get this upside down viewpoint and think that it's okay, and you can actually run a negative, you know, a negative cash flow business like that, and it doesn't really work out, you know. Well, the first year end. I was in business with We Chunk John, I worked for my brother trying to build a business. Number one, and I built it one year from not being able to depend on it to be able to depend on it. In fact, I worked with him from April. April of uh, 2011 to April of 2012. After after that full year, I went full, you know, uh, speed ahead in that business. But one thing mm-hmm. I did in that year was I kept putting money back for the whole yeah. year in mm-hmm. my closet, to be honest with you. And by the time that year went through, I not only was in business full time, but I had enough money to go out and buy a seven or eight thousand dollar trailer. Uh, uh, yeah. Ball. So, you know, just did not. Well, I wanted the business to prove itself by having the money to pay for it. That's what so many people fail. They never prove their businesses to see if they can make enough money to buy things they need. Mm -hmm. Very good advice. Very good lessons. And, you know, sometimes it's good enough that you see other people learn those lessons that you can take to heart. You don't have to go through the thing. That's that's why we're sharing so other people can hear and go through, not have to go through it on their own. So now, Alan, one of the things that we like to talk about in these interviews um, is you are a local business owner and you see – so many uh, products and services and things in your local area, but there might be people that are listening that are looking for their niche. They're looking for something that they can do to get started in local business in their community. And so we like to ask you as a business owner, are there products or services that you would love to be able to find locally in your area, but you just haven't been able to source them locally because nobody's doing it? Well, yeah, there's 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 actually a couple ideas that I've had. I don't mind sharing them because I'm not busy. sure. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> You're too busy I'm, doing your other things. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm busy doing doing what I'm doing. But, but here's one thing that you learn. Uh, a lot of people want to do services that are glorious and and you know that are, that are wonderful and all that. Mm-hmm. That's why we've been so successful in We Chunk Jump because it is not glorious. Uh, we deal with the possums, we deal with the rats, we deal with the snakes and all that. Uh-huh. All right, so I'll say all that to say this. Neither is cleaning out gutters. Mm. But cleaning out gutters is such a necessary and can be a very dangerous uh, service that needs to be done. I don't see anybody really doing those things. Right. Um, and then the uh, just, just something like that, basically just finding a... Um, service that really nobody wants to do mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so many out well, there it's, it's true it's true that, that that's that's such a need whenever you look at it and you go i don't want to do it nobody else wants to do it but you know what people would be willing to pay money not to have to get up on a ladder and go on their roof to do something you absolutely know, so. absolutely or they don't have a ladder and they don't want to go out and buy one just to get up there and do something they don't want to do anyway. <laughs> so. Well, and plus you're you're dealing with a lot of people in in that particular service. You would be dealing with a lot of people that are elderly, which right. can't they can't, and that's really why again we've blossomed into what we've blossomed into because we work with people that have gotten unfortunately gotten older and they can't yeah. do these things anymore. 
and uh, that's who we service to. Yeah, and I think you know you we we see that. I mean, the the baby boomers are aging and mm-hmm. and starting to retire, and we you know we, as a nation we're getting more and more mobility issues and all those kind of things. So it is um, an opportunity for people to provide some of those home home type services that really um, people would pay for for their own safety, and they might lack the equipment or the time or or whatever to do that. Mm-hmm. So it definitely is good to hear that. So what's the next step for We Chunk Junk? Well, the next step, we've thought about trying to ground this thing to where it's a pretty solid business and then try to um, uh, franchise it. But I've actually have given second thoughts to that. What we're really Mm -hmm. trying to do with We Chunk Junk here in the local area is, is get it to where it's just a solid, solid business for this area only Mm -hmm. because, uh, as you begin to expand, especially in franchising, you, I think there's a danger in expanding too quick, expanding mm. with people that you don't know very well, and right. uh, and that's one of my fears. So, so our next step is just to really uh, build off the success we've had, and mm-hmm. we've got one truck running pretty much all week long. Mm-hmm. We had to work up to that. It was, you know, we do uh, two or three jobs a week. And then we work up to five or six jobs a week. Now we're doing as many in the summer months. We're doing as uh, we were doing fifty jobs a month last summer. Wow! Uh, yeah, during the during the summer months. So uh, as we continue to grow and blossom, we're hoping to build up to at least two full time trucks with two guys in each. That's my goal. Wow. Um, okay. And that's Very what we're specific. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Glad you've got you got to kind of got it. The very next step is is right there. So well, you have now, to. It, I mean, you have to have yeah. goals and you have to meet them. So yeah, and uh, you're right that expanding too soon is um is sometimes that's the tipping point that either sends a business uh, under or sends it you know skyrocketing. Absolutely. And I, I think it's a good thing to have a little caution about that. And and I understand what you're saying with the um you know, feeling like you might lose a little bit of the value proposition whenever yeah. you franchise to people that you're not sure if they share your same values. So That's correct. That makes sense. Now, as you run your business day-to-day, and I know you're out in your business and all that, what is your favorite tool um, to use in the day-to-day running of your business? Well, I saw, I saw a favorite tool probably just what we have to use every day, and that's our that's our big large truck and our big large trailer. I mean, it's it, that's my office. So yeah. I enjoy it. If, I don't, <laughs> if I don't enjoy working those two tools, then I don't enjoy being in my office. Gotcha. Um, so that's that's what we enjoy doing. I mean, we we like filling that trailer up and going and stopping and doing it again. And you know, if we get two to three full loads a day, that's kind of our goal. But but that's uh, our trailer. We got a got an awesome rig and awesome trailer and. And uh, it's just fun to uh, do what I do. I mean, I just feel like a kid. I feel like a like kid when I go to work. <laughs> do what else? Got the got the real life Tonkas. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, that's it. That's it. I mean, I I love going to work every single day. It's just not a, a not a dull day. It's I'm very adventurous. And, well, and you know, uh, one one of the things you have the advantage of is you have a a very gratifying job because you take something that's probably a wreck and you clean it out. The homeowner or whoever contracted you is extremely happy that that stuff is gone and you see a marked improvement in the way things look whenever you leave. So I know it's very, very gratifying 
it's it's very good. gratifying. We've been called uh y'all y'all are angels sent from heaven, you know, <laughs> everything in the book. I mean, it's just amazing. And and really, you know how it is when you get something uh cleaned out or or yeah. you know, basically you're regaining space and it is you a do. wonderful thing to go clean out somebody's garage and yeah. thirty minutes, an hour later, they can park their car in and they love you for yeah. it. And it's uh, it's a shame. It's a shame that we are such a consumption society that many times we have overconsumed to the point that we have now weighted down our lives with our possessions. And I know. that I know. you know, it's freeing whenever you can actually get rid of it and say, Oh, now I have that space back, you know, and I, I know. like it clear. <laughs> and and we see it every single day. I mean, just like the day when we remove the piano guy's doing some remodeling in his house and he's had this thing ever since he was a kid uh-huh. and uh, now he's a grown man got kids of his own and uh he wanted to get rid of it and uh yeah, we didn't need it there anymore didn't need it there anymore so excellent now as a parting thought if you can share with us maybe there's some a piece of wisdom that you know now as an adult and somebody that is experienced in business that you might not have known as a young man starting out in business that maybe you could share with somebody who is on the beginning of their journey? What would that parting piece of wisdom that you have for them? Well, um, there's a lot that I could say on this. But I think one thing is if you really believe, like, for instance, if somebody is waiting to, to go out on their own. If they really believe in what they want to do, you just got to do it. Sometimes fear will... Mm. There, let me put it this way. There's so many people out there that's, that have never gone out on their own, that have never followed their dreams because they were scared to. Yeah. And I say that to say this a little bit. I look back and I wish I'd gone out earlier, to be, to be yeah. honest with you. Uh, you know, I... You know, I'm I'm 47 years old, and I see these young entrepreneurs. I mean, there's there's a couple of guys out there that do what I do. They have a totally different name, but they do what I do, and they have turned their little college summer college work days into a 20 million dollar uh, company now. Unbelievable, right now. isn't it? Yeah, right now as we speak. So so here you got yeah. two young college guys. When they started, they were like 22, 23. Now I think they're 29, almost 30. Wow. So I'm 47. I've been doing this for three years. And I look at them and think, man, I wish I, I, wish I had started I know. when I was in my 20s. Because some of, some of the fears that I have as far as franchising is because of my age. I'm thinking, right. I, just, I don't know if I have enough time. Yeah, the really energy. Dedicate, yeah, yeah, time, <laughs> energy to dedicate. So that's that's one of the reasons why I'm keeping a little bit more focused locally. But if I was, man, if I was 20 in my early 20s, mid 20s, or even late 20s, I would probably just let the hammer down and go for and, it. Yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a great piece of advice though, because um, delaying anything that's going to be like a life-changing decision. I mean, most of the time when you're on the other side of that, people only look back and say, I wish I had done it sooner. You don't hear many people say, oh, I did it too soon. I mean, it's a rare thing when somebody says they did it too soon. Most people say. And fear fear can be warranted. I mean, there's there's some people that may not need to go out, but you need to know 
you need to have confidence in what you're going to mm-hmm. set out to do. I mean, uh, I've seen a lot of people go out with a failed idea, a failed business. But I think the best way to to ease out is to do what I did, the way I did it, to start this business. I worked for my brother. And any time mm-hmm. that I had jobs, when I wasn't working for him, I'd go uh, move, remove somebody's junk. And I was yeah. building my name and building my business. And he basically, in a nice way, fired me a year later because <laughs> he said, hey, man, your phone's ringing off the hook. You you either need to work for me or work for that. Yeah. And uh, he knew I was building a business. And I, and I right. said it in, in a nice way. I mean, uh, he, he just thought, hey, the time has gotten here that you need to go chunk, chunk. And, that's, yeah. and then when I did, when I made that decision to go full-time, but it just, it exploded. That gentle push sometimes is all you need, you know, but it yeah. and it can be in the form of that. It can be in the form of sometimes it's a layoff or other mm-hmm. things that might be with outside of your control. And people look at that and think, oh, it's a terrible thing. But, you know, five years down the road, they're, they're so thankful for it. And they're like, oh, my gosh, if that had never happened, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So I'm thankful that it was a kind of a bad thing, but it happened, and now I made well, it. Well, same way with us. The recession kind of pushed me into doing this just because Absolutely. I was wanting to find a niche that nobody was doing, mm-hmm. and uh, and we found it, of course. And right. uh, it's been it's been a bad thing turned good. Excellent. Well, I'm I'm so glad to hear that. Now, uh, you've been so kind in sharing so much of your your wisdom and the things that you've learned along the way as you've uh, started your business and grown it and that sort of thing. So, I wanted to give you the opportunity to promote anything about your business um, to our listeners because I'm sure we'll have some in the North Alabama area that will be listening. And so, uh, what what can we give you the opportunity to tell our your our listeners about your business? Well, we, we do some trade shows from time to time. Uh, the only trade show that I've got coming up is going to be the Senior Expo coming up in November. And I do apologize. I don't have the dates right in front of me. Uh-huh. We'll be doing that. And we, we'll, <clears throat> we'll also be doing some other trade shows throughout the year as well that we Excellent. haven't scheduled as yet. But we do try to get out into the community trade shows. For instance, we did one in Athens that was a home and garden type show. We try to okay. <clears throat> yeah, appear in those as much as possible because it's really, mm-hmm. most of what I do is try to educate people on mm-hmm. what we do. Because right. they, do, they do see We Chunk Jump, they don't understand the concept, they don't understand how we price, they don't mm-hmm. understand if we're a roll-off company. So so a lot of what I've done for the last three years is educating people on what we do and how we do it. And uh, and the best way to do that is go to these trade shows. So we do have you several trade shows. Yeah, you can talk to them in person and, and, uh, and get to know kind of what their needs are. That's really how I've developed my business, too. We've also added... Um, light, what I call light moving services, and then also uh-huh. labor services to to what we do. Okay. Uh, yeah, for instance, light moving services would just simply be moving stuff, for instance, from a home to a storage unit, things like okay. that. Okay. And, uh, and then labor services would be just uh, sending two guys to a job and helping that customer move things within the home or move things around. Yeah, they physically can't do themselves. 
Gotcha. Excellent. So two more ways to kind of uh, take the same resources that you already have and just mm-hmm. figure out a little different service they can provide to, again, keep them busy and keep them uh, keep them bringing in revenue for that well, resource. Again, once you're on these jobs, you've got to keep an ear out for what people need. And these are the two biggest needs that we see in what we do. For instance, wow, okay. Yeah, for instance, if we're removing uh, stuff, they say, hey, could you move this from one location to another? And we say, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So so that's where those come up. You just uh, you find what people need and try to meet it and add it to well, your services. Yeah, and, and you increase your repertoire with that. And it's, it's actually by listening to your customers and giving them what they want, you, you guarantee yourself that they're going to take advantage of it because they're not going to go call somebody else, you know, no. to move something when you're already there. So no. it only you make makes it, you sense. You make it available to them right then and there, and that's, again, another way to sell it. Now, Alan, where can we find you on the web? Because what I'm going to do is I'll, I do show notes for all of these um, interviews that I do, and we put them on our website. Okay. And I want to link up to your website, which I believe is wechunkjunk.com, right? That's it. That's it. Okay. Yeah, and, then, and then you guys are on Facebook, too? We're on Facebook. Uh, we try to uh, keep a very – daily routine mm-hmm. on our Facebook. Uh, I try mm-hmm. to keep it lively and entertaining mm-hmm. as much as we can. And <laughs> uh, we also run contests on our Facebook page, too. Last week, we ran a contest. Okay. We uh, posted a picture of a cooler that a skateboard had uh, frozen to. It was a very cold morning. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, so my guy picked up a cooler and the skateboard was frozen to it. So we just threw that out there and said, hey, whoever can come up with the best uh, tagline for this picture wins a $10 gift card. So that's what we did. Gotcha. So anything to, anything to create some interest. Absolutely, and engage with your customers, and that's mm-hmm. a great thing, too. So well, what I'm going to do is link up to your website and your Facebook page um, in our show notes so people will be able to find you and uh, hopefully be able to uh, you know, get educated about what uh, what junk removal is and that sort of thing after talking okay. to you um, and, and hearing uh, this interview today. So I thank you for your time. I know you're a busy, busy guy, and I appreciate you uh, coming in after working a long day and still taking the time to talk to me about your business. And um, I just can't thank you enough. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Well, Alan. it's been a pleasure uh, with us too. I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Localist, I need your help. If you've appreciated this podcast today, I need you to go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, tell us what you think about the podcast. It is so important for us to expand our reach to be able to have those iTunes ratings and reviews. That way, other people can find us much easier whenever they're looking for things about local brick and mortar businesses. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. You cannot imagine how important it is to us. You can find show notes to everything we discussed in this podcast on our website. So go there. It's www.brickandmortarreporter.com. You can see all the links to anything we discussed. And also you can leave us any comments or any questions that you have. It's the best way to get in touch with us. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. 
So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.